Welcome to Mysterious Goings On, the podcast about creativity, writing, and mystery. Every week, we talk about all kinds of great fiction and meet the people who write it. We also feature explorations about creativity in all walks of life. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will join you right after this. Experience the magic at the Kansas City Renaissance Festival. Join the revelry for seven adventure-filled weekends. Visit the all-new Mermaid Cove Adventure. Enjoy new rides and game. Stop for a drink at the all-new House of Dragons Pub. Find unique handcrafted gifts at over 150 shops with clothing, herbs, jewelry, toys, art, and more. Experience 22 stages of performing acts and musical entertainment, plus full combat live armored jousting and a live chess match. Daily contests with prizes, different themed events each week. Tasty food for everyone. Come for the magic, stay for the memories, Saturdays and Sundays, September 2nd through October 15th, plus Labor Day and Columbus Day. Discount tickets available at Hy-Vee, Dillon's, Costco, Menards, and KCRenFest.com. Also, don't forget, listeners, enter to win a pair of tickets to the Renaissance Fair. All you have to do is click the link in our show notes to send us an email. Don't forget to include your name, phone number, and email. Contest ends October 7th, so hurry! Hey friends, I've got just a little bit of a man-on-the-street interview from the Kansas State Book Fest. We'll take a quick listen before we get to the main event here on the show. Hey everybody, we're at the Kansas Book Festival here on the lovely campus of Washburn University, and I've had a blast, sold a lot of books, but the best part is I got to sit next to my buddy Jeff Burney, the author, who's been on the show a couple of times. I mean, we just got thrown together here, and we just had a blast talking to people and selling a lot of books. Jeff, uh, you, you've been cleaning up here, especially with uh, with uh, Killer Secret and uh, the, the Fall of Faith. Tell us a little bit about what's going on, who's buying your book, and what do you think is turning them on? Yeah, I, I, I got to hand it to uh, Topeka. There's a lot of readers out here. I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know, you know, so I write uh, dark uh, thrillers. You know, Killer Secret has a little bit of a psychological thriller, a little serial killer element thrown in. Fall of Faith is a small-town uh, domestic thriller. I think uh, I'm getting a lot of young people, a lot of college students, so I'm feeling like, you know, the, 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 the dark uh, world and outlook is kind of what they know, apparently, I guess. But uh, I appreciate that they do. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, people will walk up and you'll we'll have a little funny thing we've been doing since we're sitting here side by side, but you, you'll you say, or I'll say, I'll point at my stuff and say, you know, quirky, quirky mysteries, and then you'll say, dark thrillers. And I mean, seriously, folks, they're all over Jeff's stuff. They love the dark thrillers. It's the young kids, you know? I mean... I guess, okay, I, I don't want to label them, but they, a lot of them look kind of goth, like we used to call goth. That's true, yeah, yeah. I, I found my audience. <laughs> uh, my question is, when are you going to start with the eyeliner? And, and, you know, you've got dark hair already, but, you know, the look might work for you. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go home and uh, raid my wife's uh, <laughs> cosmetics, and uh, I'll, sh I'll shoot you a picture you could put in the next uh, episode. I think that sounds good. That sounds good. Hey, uh, this is this has been a blast, and I don't know why I didn't think to record earlier. Tell everybody where they can find uh, your books and more about you. 
Yeah, my books are available wide or on my website, which is strangely my first and last name, jeffburney.com. And that's J-E-F-F-B-E-R-N-E-Y, Jeff Burney. And you got to get uh, A Killer Secret and The Fall of Faith. He's got a hardback, got paperback, ebook, Large print. Large print. What's with the large print? You'd think by my audience I should get that, but what, what's with the large print? You know what? I, I wanted to have every type of book out there. The only thing I'm missing is audiobook, and that's in the future. But, uh, yeah, I thought, hey, I thought, you know, thriller readers would be older like me, and uh, I could use large print myself, so uh, I thought I'd try it. Hey, why not? I might try it myself. Well, again, we've been at the wonderful campus here at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas, at the uh, Kansas Book Festival. Seriously, it's been a steady stream of just fantastic people who like to read. It's enough to make you want to keep being an author. Okay, well, again, it's been great hanging with you, Jeff. Great hanging with you, man. And we'll, uh, we'll see you guys later. Close your eyes for a minute and imagine the bustling marketplaces of the 16th century, the thundering hooves of jousting knights, the elaborate costumes of kings and queens, the laughter of jesters and the mysterious awe of magicians. Then throw in a big you know, turkey leg and a sip of meat or whatever it is you like, Bud Light, I don't know. And you're at the American Renaissance Festival. Kind of, right? That's kind of the experience. But how did these medieval fairs and festivals come to be? And what drives millions of people, including myself, to travel far and wide to be part of this enthralling experience. Well, today we're going to dive deep into the history, allure, and people behind the American Renaissance Festival scene. And our guest is Alan Olson. He's author of The History of the American Renaissance Festival, Where Have All the Hippies Gone? An insider, performer, and get this, co-founder of the Renaissance Festival in Tennessee. He's here to shed light on the magic and transformation of RenFest over the decades. So, you know, pull up a chair, Fill your mugs and let's journey back in time. Alan Olson, welcome to the show. Pardon my corny intro. I couldn't resist. It's the tropes. You have to do it. How are you today? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you. Okay, I want to jump right in. I have a tendency to kind of put, you know, jump right into the, you know, the, the question you expect a little later. And I want to get this one going because it's been front and center with me since we booked you on the show. Okay. And and I, I reason why I want to ask it right off the bat is I think it may be linked to most Americans' perception of these rent fests, right? So in your book, you mentioned that the, the festivals have transformed kind of from a sitcom joke into a mainstream entertainment, right? Um, so because many popular TV shows and movies use the setting at the Renfest or Ren Renaissance Fairs as a backdrop, leaning into like tropes of, you know, the blend of the high middle age visuals, despite being named for the Renaissance or characters taking their roles too seriously or not at all. And so you being, as far as I'm concerned, the foremost expert in this phenomenon that is the, these festivals how do you feel about that portrayal uh, in popular media well actually in the 80s uh that sitcom joke uh, effect is one of the things that drove me to writing the book because of the fact that uh i knew the people that were involved professionally in the business had a lot of other choices in life they were very talented people and yes indeed there are people that come out and play and 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 you know, amateurs that hang on and such. But there's a whole lot more to the story than just that. So do you think then that the the, the 
because like for example i'll say to my friends you know because we we've been and I've, I've got a theater background i know a lot of people who work the festivals and stuff like that and you know it's I, I, you know, if you take it, I think, in the right spirit and you go in there open heartedly and just enjoy the entertainments and the effort that's being put forth, it's pretty great. But do you think these portrayals that most people see, um, do you think then it's actually kind of fed into a desire for people to at least check them out? I think so. Yes. Uh, especially the way that they've been treated much better over the last couple of decades. Uh, as I say, the sitcom joke, I mean, they really made fun of them. They made them look cheesy. Uh really bad whatever at least nowadays uh people go to a renaissance festival on a show and they try to make it a little more realistic well let's talk about you then how, how did you get into this how did this start with you well uh back in the uh, 60s i was part of a folk singing group called pumpkin and we uh we played at a theater in minneapolis and the uh artistic director of the uh minnesota renaissance festival attended this show because there were some actors also doing a one act that were in the cast and he hired us on the spot before we actually knew what a Renaissance festival was. And, uh, we, uh, we ended up writing original Renaissance music. We, um, we presented uh, three part harmonies, uh, two guitars of a recorder, that sort of thing. And we went out and did the 1977 Minnesota Renaissance festival and, Made a small splash, but oddly enough, there were people out there like Penn and Teller, Avner the Eccentric, the Flying Karamazov Brothers, Buke and Snot. And uh, after that first year, we were like, we need to find a way to get a little more attention. And we sat around tossing ideas back and forth. And uh, all of a sudden, my partner goes, or we could be these two uh, hulking executioners doing this la-di-da English country garden dance, you know, Smee and Blog, the singing executioners. I said, wait a minute, that's it. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden we had ourselves uh, a themed act when uh, when the shows were starting out all over the country. And so we uh, pretty much had our pick for six to eight years of where we wanted to work. <laughs> you mentioned Penn and Teller, and I'm, I'm familiar with both of them. I've seen them a couple of times, and I, I'm, I, I've always enjoyed learning about magic. I'm not a good magician don't need to be i have no slight of it i have no you know uh, dexterity but the point being uh i remember they've spoken rather fondly about doing that and starting there i mean of course they got out of there as soon as they didn't have to but but did, did how long did it take you of touring and being kind of the uh you know i mean seriously i guess you could literally say that you and your partner killed at renaissance festivals absolutely you hit that right on the head <laughs> oh oh and then you hit it oh my gosh I docked my cap to you, Sarah, on that one. Was there a difference between doing that or 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 a space where you stopped doing them and then you got back into them? Because uh, we've already mentioned you eventually helped found one and do all these things. Or was it, has it been a continuum for your whole life? Well, uh, I actually had to stop touring to uh, save my marriage about right <laughs> early uh, in the 2000s. But uh, no, we, we had a wonderful run. And uh, it... Uh, as I say, we were a themed act quite a while until they started building up other themed acts. So we had a nice run at uh, a good 30 years of uh, enjoying both performing on stage and uh, messing with people in the lanes, which is uh, another one of my favorites. <laughs> there is there is a bit of stand-up comedy involved, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, did, did you hear the one about the cook? 
who was convicted of trying to poison his master. Mm. Uh, he was given his choice between a steak or a chop. And people groan, but they still laugh. And, you know, the phenomenon of cosplaying, as they call it, the kids call it nowadays. You guys were kind of the original cosplayers, were you not? Yeah, well, you had to be in costume, but yes, it uh, it to create your character, you you had to have a costume as well as learn the language somewhat. Now, what about purists involved here? Were there anybody who said, look, this is a Renaissance fair. You've got Middle Ages garb going on here. Or, talk to us about that. Oh, we were certainly, we were never allowed to work the pleasure fairs in California because that was Living History Center. Upstate New York, Sterling Festival ran by the same rules, and so we Never worked that show. For instance, uh, guitars weren't around in the Renaissance, and yet you see guitars at every Renaissance festival. <laughs> so where do you draw the line? Yeah, they're strumming away like Alan Adale. I mean, it's, uh, right? The thing I'm saying, are they missing the point, Alan? Is You know what I'm saying by that? Are they missing the point? Well, that's the thing. I, I make the distinction between the pleasure fairs and the American Renaissance Festival. Pleasure fairs are more concerned with historic accuracy. The American Renaissance Festival is all about entertainment and fun. As a matter of fact, uh, in 79, Jeff Siegel, who's a major player, uh, he runs now the North Carolina and the Arizona show. He also worked on the Minnesota show. He's one that hired us first, as a matter of fact. But he was asked by a reporter, uh, what years does this event cover? And he said, anything from King Arthur to vaudeville. <laughs> Oh, that's that's just a little slice of, of the pie. That's all. Jeez, you know my uh, my great grandparents were circus folks on riverboats. They would have they probably came. You know they would have loved this had this been the thing. I'm sure train dog act the whole bit. It was great. What what do you think it is though for the first timer in your experience to go to one of these things? Do, are there, how do how do their friends get them to go? Do you have any anecdotes on that or any ideas about how do you get newbies into this thing? Well, um, as a matter of fact, I, I work with Texas Ballet Theater now, and I. Uh, I have convinced a number of the dancers who had never been to one to come out and wow, all of them were absolutely enchanted. They had no idea something like that existed. They had so much fun. They, they ended up getting costumes while they were out there. I never, never worry about recommending it to people to try because for the most part, there's something out there that appeals that, to everyone. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I had a little theater background. So, you know, I, I, I have no problem with make-believe and having a good time in that regard. And, and anybody who's done any improv, of course, loves to get in front of a group like you guys do. And I mean, admittedly, you, your patter is probably tried and true to different stops throughout the way. But still, you have to be able to think on your feet and do those things really well. Um, but I also have to say, we all make fun of it. Uh, well, I do, at least, because they are kind of absurd. But the big turkey legs. I mean, I remember this. I thought, well, you know... Even if I don't have a good time, there's going to be that big turkey leg, and I really love a good turkey leg. Are they ubiquitous at all the fairs? Yes, yes, uh, that <laughs> people expect them, and so they're out there. However, uh, the menus change quite a bit. I mean, there are some shows that have a nice uh, ethnic menu uh, ooh, you know, of, of interesting stir fries and, and whatever. Uh, you know, it depends. Some of the smaller shows uh, have carnival food you know it, it... corn do corn dogs right i mean i've seen yeah. corn dogs at these things well now your book is, is sometimes where have all the hippies gone give us the connection here what what are we talking about here and and then we can get into the book itself i'd like to know more about that well uh as a matter of fact um if 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 you read uh, the book there are a number of stories of people who are actually part of the hippie movement who 
moved into Renaissance festivals because it was an alternative to the normal society. Mm -hmm. it, it allowed them to invent their own reality. As a matter of fact, Rachel Lee Rubin has written a book called Well Met. It's about the pleasure fairs, the, the beginning of, of the whole phenomenon. And uh, she makes a strong case for the pleasure fairs allowing the hippie movement to thrive. It, it gave them a place to join together and become a part of things. And uh, it really, um, it was those people that, uh, that worked on it, became a part of it, started bringing back arts and crafts, you know, by making their living, making things, that sort of thing. You really do see the Etsy generation well represented at these things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, uh, that's one of the major draws for a lot of people is, is yeah. the, the shopping, the, the amazing crafts and arts that, that people make. I mean, most major shows have over 200 booths with whatever glass, leather, physical arts, uh, clothing, especially what about the gamers the D, &D folks uh, do you see a strong representation from them showing interest in these oh absolutely as a matter of fact uh i know for a fact that uh most joust troops are serious gamers ah. uh, that's that during the week when they're taking care of the horses and whatever uh the, there's usually a gaming table going on no it, it fits it fits right into that frame of mind do you and I don't I don't want to get you in trouble with your people, your tribe, so to speak. But I mean, these seem like really laid back, cool people, which ties to hippies with at least the stereotype about most hippies is these are people who just want to enjoy their lives, love each other, be cool. Is that still a thing with the Renaissance folks? Yes, yes, it is. It it uh, no, it's a family. It uh, you know my uh, my daughter traveled with me from the age of six months till she started school. Wow. And uh, she started school about a month and a half into it. Her teacher asked me if I could hang around for a minute and talk to her after the class. And I'm like, oh boy, what happened? <laughs> and she said, I've been teaching for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. Your daughter finds the kids who cannot fit into the group and helps them fit into the group. Yeah, no, it's it's a family. It, I mean, it's the kids are raised as a village. You know, you don't have to worry. You didn't have to worry about your kids out there. There was somebody watching them. As a matter of fact, when my daughter became eighteen and went on the road, uh, there were more people watching her than she wanted. <laughs> I can only imagine where that where that went. Could have been. Uh, let's talk about the book though when did you get the idea i'm gonna write a book when did had you chronicled any of this prior to the book elsewhere or did it all just start i'm gonna write a book well it, it's it's been a 30-year project i started uh, as i said in the 80s i it i realized something's got to be done here in the early 90s i uh, i started sending out questionnaires to people with self-stamped self-addressed envelopes uh that didn't work very well i gave out over 200 and i got seven back but uh, uh, I just uh, I decided it was time to start. As, as a matter of fact, uh, Jeff Underhill, uh, who was uh, the creator of the Underhill Pavilion, which is a major tent that, that is seen everywhere in Disneyland, every Renaissance festival, he passed this last year. But uh, he was one of the very first people that I interviewed. And when the book came out, I got a call from him. He said, where did you get all that information on me? 
I said, you told me. We talked. <laughs> you told <laughs> but me. But it had been 25 years, and he, he had forgotten. Oh, my goodness. The the book, a lot of photographs, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. That, tell me about your decisions, though, in building the book, so to speak. I'm not, not necessarily writing. I'm talking about the look and feel of the book. Was it immediately like, I can tell this story, but I need to show this story as well? Yes. In the mid-90s, uh, I took my friend Mike Barrett's around. He he also passed a couple of years ago now. Oh, but, very sorry. Uh, he was a, a famous rock photographer. As a matter of fact, he did rock photography for two of the major Renaissance promoters before they were in the Renaissance business. And I took him around in the 90s to take pictures of people in their element. Uh, so I knew that uh, once once I got those pictures, I knew that I had to add a little bit of information about the people in the pictures. So that led to doing uh, these mini bios of people with the pictures but I knew I had to do the, uh, the history. And then it, it really took me uh, quite a while to figure out exactly how to do it. But I, I went through the history uh, with a few bios peppered in to the history section uh, that applied to the shows that I was talking about. And then uh, after, after I dealt with originally uh, George Coulomb and what, what he, he's the one that kind of started the festival idea he took mm -hmm. it first to salt lake city then to minnesota and minnesota he sold it to four gentlemen who split the country in half and started about another 15 20 festivals and then he went down and started the texas renaissance festival which is considered the disneyland of, of renaissance festivals so i started with 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 coolum's story then then the minnesota connection and then I uh, had to talk about shows that were independent uh like sterling in new york which was in you know, influenced by the pleasure fairs. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, I knew that I had to uh, add some, a few stories. I ended up with uh, 54 biographies of different people who were key in all sides of the business. And, uh, and then since uh, I am the, uh, <laughs> I am the librarian for the benevolent order of Scurrilous monks, I, I have six people's collections of ephemera and t-shirts and so I, uh, I had to add uh, a chapter at the end that has uh, just a few of the incredible posters and T-shirts and, and different graphics involved in the business, which uh, some really wonderful artists that, uh, that did all that work, too. You kind of make it sound like there's kind of a, there's independent ones, but is there a network? Is there is there is there a franchise, so to speak, for want of a better term? How does this work? Well, um there are a couple of corporate uh, entities. Uh, Jim Peterson's Festivals, Inc., he runs five shows. And Renaissance Entertainment Corporation has uh, four shows. And then there are uh, several people that have two shows. But uh, no, they're all, other than that, they're pretty much independent. Interesting. And I, I was looking ahead to the Kansas City Festival, which is uh, going to come up in, uh, in October, early early to mid-October weekends and, you know, picks up. Uh, and it kind of runs, almost runs into Halloween. Yep. Um, and this, fall is my favorite time of year. There's something about the, just the, the Christmas in the air and the smell of those, those turkey legs, by the way, cooking. <laughs> um, but but then you hear the music. You just, you just I, There's something I find so invigorating about the atmosphere. And I wanted to draw a, a parallel. It's not a parallel, but I want to see about this because uh, 
I, I love going to particularly the outdoor haunted trails and haunted, you know, the haunted attractions, which do you see much overlap with companies that do both? Or are they kind of like, you know, by the time the the Renaissance fairs are done, they're exhausted. The last thing they want to do is start a haunted trail in that same location. I'm just curious about your understanding of how that works. Oh, there are a number. Uh, there are a number of shows that do the haunted trail thing. Scarborough oh. here in uh, in Dallas. Pennsylvania is one of the shows that runs uh, events all year long. Oh, they they have just any number of events throughout the year. Uh, and uh, more and more shows are starting to utilize their their sites more often. They're, they're, they realize they're sitting there. They might as well try to make some money off them. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering that. I don't know that they do that locally here. At least they haven't in a while. And I was always curious. I thought, man, that's there's a gold mine sitting out there, you know. But I don't know. It's a lot. I know it's a lot to to put together those things. Yeah, that show oh. that show is run by Jim Peterson, uh, who owns Minnesota, St. Louis, and uh, Largo, Florida. Uh, and he he hasn't uh, shown an interest in doing that yet. Where are these fairs going in the next 10 years? What do you think? Well, uh, <laughs> honestly, that was another reason I, I wrote the book was because we felt that they may not last past the millennium. You know, we thought they were probably a temporary uh, thing that just couldn't last. And that was obviously wrong. Since COVID, they've exploded. People it was a chance for people to go outside, to get out of the house, to go see people. Right. And uh, the problems that, that the festivals are having now are with lines, with running out of product, with, with crafters running out of their goods. It's, it's just been insane. And, and, and of course the thing is, is that all these people that have been trying it for the first time, uh, a healthy percentage of them are coming back. Right. So, uh uh, a lot of shows, as a matter of fact, now are requiring you to buy your tickets ahead of time because they limit the number of tickets coming in the gate. Yeah, it's, it's a bad, not a bad, it's a, it's a good problem to have in a lot of ways. Um, you'd rather have that than, you know, the sound of crickets and mandolins. Um, you know, you, Alan, so are you making the circuit with the book? Are you going to any fairs to sign and sell books? Oh, yes. I, I'll be out uh, in Maryland at the end of October, and then I'll head down to North Carolina the following weekend and uh, uh, do some books there. I've been to Arizona. Scarborough is my local show, uh, Texas Renaissance Festival. Yeah, it's uh, I'm up to Connecticut. Let's see. I think that's most of the ones I've been to at this point. Yeah. Are you having fun? Oh, absolutely. No, and... and uh, <sighs> It's it it's doing what I wanted it to do. I mean, so many people are so thankful to me. It it lends credibility to their life choice, mm-hmm. and they're they're telling me that. I mean, the number of people that get the book and start crying is is crazy. Wow, oh, that's uh, fantastic. That's a, Do you uh, when you're sitting there uh, at a table, and uh, do you ever get the urge to pick up the axe and uh, start uh, you know uh, chopping? Oh, I, I still I still do a few weekends a year at some smaller oh. shows locally here, and uh, actually I'll be uh, uh, doing the first month in April at Scarborough Fair uh, this next year. So I I certainly do. In Connecticut, when I went up to Connecticut to sign books, they uh, they said, "Well, why don't you stick around another weekend and perform too?" So so I did that. 
Oh, I can see you're wearing a sling from your arm being twisted on that. I'm sure you. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. So uh, how do people learn more about the book? Do you have a website or do you just want to send them to a certain place? Tell us about that. Uh, SingingExecutioners.com. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, we've got a button on, on the website that you can go right to the book on the on the home uh, home page of the website of singingexecutioners.com. You can also uh, see video of us uh, roasting Charles Barkley at his celebrity roast and introducing Billy Crystal to take over for us. Uh. <laughs> That's fantastic. I just, listeners, I just uh, clicked over to look at it. It's a fun to say, oh my gosh, these pictures are great. Oh my goodness. And they're, they're right there, there is a link to get your copy of the History of the American Renaissance Festival. Um, and, and those are autographed copies, by the way. Oh, nice. Very nice. That's a deal. That's a great deal. Just uh, And you know what, folks, if you get them at the fair, just try not to get your chicken leg juice on them because these are collectible books, I think. these are. It's a beautiful book. You must be so proud of it. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I, I'm glad that I finished it. I, I was worried for a while that I may not uh, make it, but uh, it was a major relief to get it done. And of course, there are so many stories that uh, I'm actually working on a follow-up book now because I, with with all, you know, 360 pages there, but that still just scratches the surface of the stories that are out there. Can I uh, um, bother you for just a, a quick anecdote or story that you think people might find interesting? Uh, well, uh, this one kind of justifies my life choice. This was in Muskogee, uh a number of years ago, I saw a group of people coming up to the stage and I said, oh, you're having a family reunion and nobody said anything. We did the show. And uh, after the show, one of the women comes up and she says, I don't know if you remember, my father fell off a bench during your show here last year. And I said, actually, I do remember that. He seemed to be fine. She said, oh, no, no, no. He was fine. He fell off the bench from laughing so hard. She said, but he uh, actually did end up passing away later that oh. year. But every day until he died, he chuckled about you guys' show. And so the family has decided in his honor to come to your show. Wow. Wow. Alan Olson is the author. He, <laughs> Folks, this book sounds so interesting. You've got to check it out. We're going right now into the fall, which is generally the heart of these uh, seasons. If, you're, if you don't have a year-rounder going on. Um, it's just a fantastic book. The history of the American Renaissance Festival. Where have all the hippies gone? Well, one of the hippies is the author, Alan Olson. Alan, I'll uh, I'll have links in the show notes for everybody to get to your site and uh, and Amazon, wherever else they want to purchase it. And I'll just throw it back to you. Uh, uh, again, I doff my cap to you, sir. I, I think it's a fantastic body of work, and I'm excited to hear about your sequel. All right. Thank you. Experience the magic at the Kansas City Renaissance Festival. Join the revelry for seven adventure-filled weekends. Visit the all-new Mermaid Cove Adventure. Enjoy new rides and game. Stop for a drink at the all-new House of Dragons Pub. Find unique handcrafted gifts at over 150 shops with clothing, herbs, jewelry, toys, art, and more. Experience 22 stages of performing acts and musical entertainment, plus full combat live armored jousting and a live chess match. Daily contests with prizes, Different themed events each week. Tasty food for everyone. Come for the magic, stay for the memories. Saturdays and Sundays, September 2nd through October 15th, plus Labor Day and Columbus Day. 
Discount tickets available at Hy-Vee, Dillon's, Costco, Menards, and KCRenFest.com. Also, don't forget, listeners, enter to win a pair of tickets to the Renaissance Fair. All you have to do is click the link in our show notes to send us an email. Don't forget to include your name, phone number, and email. Contest ends October 7th, so hurry. Coming up next time on Mysterious Goings On, it's author, cruise ship raconteur, photographer, and TEDx speaker, Peter Mack. When I get that down, that's when the book really takes off and it kind of lifts the burden from me as the uh, writer. And indeed they do. They actually do begin to write themselves. And I give them a little nudge left and right and forward and say, hey, you two, what if you two met up? Would you like each other or would you want to kill each other? Uh, and they say, okay, here's our answer. Let's, uh, let's do a little uh, improv. And the characters before my very eyes on my computer screen are uh, improvising a scene and I'm barely, I'm basically just recording it. Hey, this is Alex Greenwood. You know, I've been told for years that I'm really killing it in this podcasting game. Um, actually, I've heard that from my friend Jamie Green. Uh, Jamie, I think you're killing it in the podcasting game. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, we are both natural-born killers for podcasting. And of cocktails. So I think it'd be fun, per your idea, that we get together for a drink and a think about some bizarre Kansas City shenanigans, usually murders. I love it. Let's call it going to Killing City once a month, historic murder, pair it with a killer cocktail. Have a great time. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us on Mysterious Goings On. Be sure to follow Mysterious Goings On wherever you get your podcast and never miss an episode. Don't forget, you can get the links to books and other things mentioned on the show at mgopod.com. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.